0: How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Good to see you all here. Glad that you have made this worship experience a part of your holiday weekend. I'm glad you're here. I hope that we can make it worthwhile for you. Hope you've already been touched by the Spirit of God and the Word will go forth. If you will allow me just a quick moment, I want to make one reminder, if I can, at this time before I get started, is that this Wednesday night is our final on-campus Wednesday night before summer. Everybody understand? So uh, this Wednesday night, we will have services and activities on campus as normal. But after this Wednesday, we will be shut down for June and July. Bible study at 630 will move to our God's Way campus down near Oakdale Apartments here in Forest. Uh, the Thursday Overcomers meetings will be at the same location There will be no other on-campus midweek activities as we start gearing up for camps and having all these different groups come in. So I just want to make sure you're aware. Uh, It is out there on social media. You can find that schedule, but just be reminded, okay? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And I I promise I'm probably hitting you with a very familiar passage, but I think sometimes we need to be reminded of familiar passages and maybe the Lord will reveal something to you in a different light or have a different revelation for you today. As as I've really over the last few weeks been really trying to think and pray and zone in on what the Lord would have me to share with you today, I'll be honest, this has kind of been a more difficult season of me figuring out what the Lord wanted to to say. It seems like I, I wanted to go in a direction, but the Lord kept bringing me back to this. And then really in this past week, the more I've, I've sort of counseled and taught with people and, and dealt with people within my family and within the people I work with and, and even people that I've ministered to this week, it's, it seems like that this is a right now word for right now, okay? So we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this and, and be reminded of how the Lord has power for today. Everybody say power. A lot of Christians today are trying to live this Christian life and they're weak. I'm not trying to bust us out. I've been there too, but a lot of times we're weak. Y'all understand what I mean by that? We, we, we think that we've, we've got things together, but we're, we're sort of fighting an enemy without the power that God has designed us to fight with. So today I want us to be reminded of this passage that the Lord spoke in the Old Testament to His people that is still relevant as us being grafted into His, His people. I think it's still relevant for us and I hope it'll give you a charge into where the Lord wants to take you in your life. If we look at where we are in Isaiah 40, I do. I've always thought this was neat. I may have said this before, but the book of Isaiah is sort of like a, an allegory of the entire Bible. Here's what I mean by that: Isaiah has 66 chapters. There's 66 books in the Bible, right? The first 39 books of Isaiah is all about doom and gloom and judgment. If you read that, I mean, I know the, all Scripture's God ordained, but you know, there's some Scripture that you, you're like, Lord, you got to help me here because it gets hard to read. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because it's all about, hey, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. For 39 chapters in Isaiah, it's all about judgment, which I think is neat because there's 39 books in the Old Testament prior to the coming of Jesus. Does that make sense? But then even in Isaiah, there's a shift starting with verse 40 in the final 26 books, just like there's 26 books in the, or 26 chapters, just like there's 26 books in the New Testament, there's a shift in the Word of the Lord that Isaiah is bringing. And he's now going from just giving judgment, 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 to now he's saying, but there's coming victory. There's coming deliverance. There's coming freedom. And it's real interesting that it begins here in this chapter. In this very chapter, we sort of have some of the first prophecies of the coming Messiah. Specifically, it talks about a voice crying out in the wilderness. Well, we know that that voice ends up being John the Baptist, who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. So right here in this chapter, Isaiah is beginning to tell them, hey, that they've been in hardship, they've been in captivity. But now's the time. We've been talking about all the judgment and all the things y'all done wrong and why you've ended up in this position and why you should have done this and you should have done that. And if you would have followed the laws of the Lord, you would have been prosperous and been doing what you were supposed to. But now you're in a situation when you're in captivity and there's more judgment coming. But now, let me give you some hope. There's coming a Messiah. There's coming a Savior. Jesus is going to come. And in that moment, you're going to be free from all of your sin and all of your bondage. But anybody want to be real f- with me for a moment? Can we do that? You know, I go through hard times. Y'all go through hard times. We all have been through hard times, right? And there is absolutely truth in us saying, Hey, just hang in there. Things are going to get better. I find myself saying that a lot. But a lot of people, when they say that, I've been guilty of this too, you know, hey, things will get better. One day, we're going to spend eternity in heaven where the streets are gold, and we're going to have a mansion, and we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. And listen, I am thankful. I can't wait for that day, amen? But I will be real. I don't know how long I have between now and then. Does that make sense? I mean, it could be in the next moment. I'll be, I mean, it could, hopefully not the next moment. That would be, again, traumatic, but... It might be before the end of the day, it may be in the next week, it may be in the next month. I mean, you know, it, uh, we're not promised tomorrow, right? I believe all that. But then again, the Lord may have 20, 30, 40 more years for me to walk here on this earth and fulfill something. Are y'all with me? And while the promise of heaven is great, I need some hope for right now. Maybe y'all don't. I'm, I am mean, I need some hope for right now, you know, when people talk about, oh, it'll be better, you know, you just, you just wait a few years, one day you'll retire. Well, I've got a long time before all that. I need some help and some hope and some, some, something right now. Anybody ever been there before? And I believe the children of Israel, after reading this, you know, going through the chapter 40 up until where we're going to start reading today, you know, Isaiah's given giving all this hope. Hey, there's a Messiah coming. But, I mean, you, you can look in your Bible at how many just how many chapters are between Isaiah and Matthew. Not to mention that in between the two testaments, there was like hundreds of years of silence. This was not going to be something that was right away. So they were looking for hope right now. They, I, I would have to imagine, and in my speculation, think that the children of Israel said, what do you have for me in this moment, Isaiah? And so Isaiah comes to this point where I want to start today. Go with me to verse 27 of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. And let's begin looking at this. So Isaiah has now been giving them all these, giving these prophecies of things to come. And then he gets to a point where I think he finally kind of understood where they were coming from. And he said, why are you saying, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Why are you saying, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by my God. So Isaiah is doing something that is good, and especially in our society. A lot of people in our society want you to understand how I feel. See it from my perspective. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to sound like I'm making light, but sometimes we take that as an excuse to try to be victimized all the time. But that's a different sermon for a different time. But Isaiah is is asking, the Lord has heard what you've said, and I understand you've been in captivity, you've been in hardship, so you're beginning to say things like, oh my goodness, I guess I'm hidden, God doesn't see me. I want to be honest, how many of you in this place have been in a situation so dire and so dark, and you've prayed so much, and you've seen no progress, that you've wondered if God even knew you were around? Anybody thought that way? Maybe you have. Maybe you've been in a situation where he's like, well, maybe God just didn't hear what I said. Maybe I'm not praying loud enough. Maybe I'm not doing something right. Maybe it's just within me. And and we get into this part where we think God's just passed us by, that our time has passed. He's moving on to bigger and more important things. I think if we're being honest, and if you haven't, just keep living. I think in this Christian walk, we're all going to get into a situation where we start to wonder if God is listening to what we're saying. God, you, you promised this when I was young. Here I am and I'm not as young, but I still haven't seen it. Where are you at? Anyone ever been there? God, you said you'd never leave me for, or forsake me, but God, I'm dealing with one of the greatest hardships I ever have in my life. And you, you promised things, but why am I having to deal with this? Why aren't you delivering me? Where are you at? Do you not hear me? And the children of Israel had gotten to that point. Where they said, I guess God's no longer listening. We've gone too far away. And they're, they're starting to murmur. But here's the beauty of Isaiah. Isaiah knew where they were coming from, but he didn't sit down, pat them on the back and say, that's okay, you just keep saying that. We live in a society, this may be too side of a note, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go here. We live in a society that thinks that in order to love you, we have to affirm everything you do and pat you on the back and say it's okay. When true love pats you on the back and says, no, that's not the way. You know, I've used this analogy again. My my kids love to, you know, do things that probably aren't good. You know, my sons, when they were young, there were times we caught them drawing on the wall. Now, I love my kids. I didn't say, oh, that's just beautiful art. You just, you keep doing that. No. No. The wrath of the father came out and said, no, we ain't doing that. The rod wasn't spared and all that stuff. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? No, that's not what's going to happen. Why? Because I love them enough to tell you this is not who we are. You know, if my sons decide they want to go outside every day and run around in the street, oh man, I love them, I'm just going to let them express themselves. No! I love them enough to say you're not going to go out there and die. Y'all, does this make sense? If you truly love someone, you're willing to speak up and tell someone the truth, even if it isn't the truth they want to hear in the moment. And we're in a point right here where the prophet Isaiah said, listen, I know that you feel this way. I understand you're in despair. You're in in captivity. I can fully understand where you are, but understanding where you are isn't me kneeling down and saying that it's okay. It's time for me to call you out of that despair and into a place where you can live in faith. Does this make sense? So... Go to verse 28, and now notice how he does. This is fun. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Now notice, this wasn't just a question where he really is curious. Hey, did y'all not know? Because I can tell you. You know, this wasn't a question of maybe you didn't know, and maybe I need to give you some. No, this is the type of question that you remember if you were back in school, and you came to class and there was a test and you didn't realize it. you asked wait we have a test today and the teacher said have you not heard did you not listen it's like when i go into my occupation and there's a meeting and someone says oh i didn't know we have a meeting well well, did you not read the email did you not heard does does this make sense It's sort of like he's goading them a little bit. He's sort of poking at them. He said, listen, you're you're, you're acting like God has disappeared, that He's invisible, that He doesn't love you anymore, that He doesn't want to be with you anymore. Do you not realize who it is we're talking about? He says, the everlasting God, the Lord, The Creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might. He increases what? Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men, they're going to utterly fall. They're going to fail. They're going to faint. But those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run. They will not be weary. They will walk and they will what? Not faint. So Isaiah in this passage prophesies that they're going to receive power. That even in their lowest moment, there's a power and a strength that comes only from God that will help them overcome their enemy. Now let's break this passage down and look at sort of the three areas or three ways that we can receive this power. Let's go back now to verse 28 after he had go to him. He said, have you not known? Have you not heard? So what's the first way we get power? The first way we can receive this power from the Lord is we have to begin to move our focus from ourself unto Him. That's called worship. It's a word we use every Sunday, Right? More than just songs and stuff, and that's a part of it. But, but worship is when we literally just begin to move our eyes off of who we are and what our circumstances are, and we put them on who? God. Who He is. And He begins to tell us who this God is. You need to just remember who you're serving. You're serving the everlasting God. Let's just stop right there, and we could preach a whole long time on that. The everlasting God. you realize we serve a God that is yesterday, today, and I mean, we can say that and we can throw it, but, but have you really sat and thought about it before this age even began, even before Genesis chapter one? And I'm not trying to blow your mind or go anywhere weird with theology, but even if there were ages and ages and ages before that that we can't even fathom, God was there. And even when this thing called time ends that we're currently in, and whatever es, eschatological beliefs that you have, I think I said it right. When all those things end and we go to the ends of the earth and the Lord comes back and we spend eternity and no matter what comes after that, whatever age may still yet to come, I don't know. But guess what? God's still going to be there. Can we fathom the fact that we serve a God who's literally always been and always will be? And there's never a moment where we will bypass where God is because He's always been. Does this make sense? God is everlasting. And if God is everlasting, then that means that His timing has to be perfect. Oh, this is where it gets difficult. But God's timing is perfect. He's so calculated that every moment He shows up isn't just a little bit early and never just a little bit too late. It's always exactly when He intended to show up. How do I know that? Because go through the Bible. He just seemed to show up whenever it seemed necessary. I remember a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They believed in the Lord and trusted Him, but they got thrown into the fire. And guess what? The Lord showed up. When they got thrown into the fire, I would imagine that I would have probably been a little nervous. Okay, God. But guess what? The moment He showed up there in the fire was just in time. Are you all with me this morning? Whenever the, Daniel got thrown into the den of the lions, the Lord didn't show up before and just proclaim, you will not do this to my servant. No, let me prove myself. Let Daniel get in there with the lions. And then the Lord showed up right on time. Are you all with me? Some of y'all are wondering and maybe pondering and have said this thing. I can, I'm saying some of y'all because I know I have in my life. I've sat here and said, God, I feel like I'm I'm late. I feel like that things haven't happened. I thought this was going to happen right now. And the Lord has to remind me, listen, if I said I would do it, I would do it in due season. Sometimes we start going through heartache and people who go through sicknesses and go through trials and go through tribulations. We say, God, if You would have just showed up then. I think about the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha went to Him. God, He's dead. If You would have just shown up... Few days earlier, but God said no. Jesus said, No, I'm here when I need to be here. I'm here just in the right time for me to be glorified, so he could raise Lazarus from that dead for from that grave four days later. Does this make sense? Whatever situation you're in right now that you're begging and pleading and waiting for God to show up, and you're starting to wonder, and the enemy's trying to convince you that he's not going to show up. I'm here to tell you the right time just hasn't happened, but he's going to show up. He's everlasting. Not only is He everlasting, but the Scripture said He is the Lord. That means, in the King James, I believe it actually says it, He is sovereign. That means not only is He the Lord of everything and He's everlasting, but He's the one who is in control. The next part actually says that He was the creator of not just the earth, but the creator of all of the ends of the earth. Did y'all notice that? What does that mean? Well, listen, there's basically a theological law that we have to adhere to that we would believe here, right? The Creator has to be greater than the creation. Does that make sense? The Creator has to be greater than the creation. God didn't just throw everything out there and said, alright, here's the earth, have at it. I mean, that's sort of a deism type of theology. We don't believe that. We believe that the Lord created the earth, but He's the Lord of all the ends of the earth. you all with me? That means that he is in control. That means I can call upon him and he's gonna answer my need. I I can trust him and he's gonna show up in that right time. That's him being the creator. But not only is he gonna show up at the right time, but guess what? He'll show up wherever it is I need him. So let me break that down to you in a simplistic manner. Can I do that? This week when you go to the doctor's office and you're sitting there having to face a doctor and listen to a report that may not sound good, that may invoke fear, that the enemy wants to use to tell you that you're going under, I'm here to tell you the Lord is still the Lord of that place and He can show up right there. When you go to the bank this week and you're wondering how the ends are going to meet and you don't know what's going to happen, I'm here to tell you God is God right there. I'm here to tell you when you go to your job and you're going into that interview and you don't know what to do and you don't know if the favor of God's going to show up, I'm here to tell you God will show up right there. You go home and you're facing that enemy that's been battling, that, that, that problem in your marriage. You're facing those kids that are acting crazy and they, they, they're being defiant. You don't know what you're going to do to help them. I'm here to tell you God is still the God right there as well. Wherever you need Him, you call upon His name and He will be right there ready to answer. That's who you're serving. So when you get into a moment and you start to worry and say, man, this situation is so big and all of the, the wiles of the earth, they seem like they're going to overtake you. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that won't allow anything to overtake you if you'll trust in Him. So no longer am I going to cry and use my mouth to begin to build up my problems and say, oh, this health problem's got me in. Oh, this money problem's going to do me in. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm going to fall. I can't, I can't take anymore. I'm here to tell you, quit looking at the problem and look at God. All right, I'll calm down. I'm sorry. So Isaiah saying, you guys forget. You serve a God that literally parted a sea so you could get out of slavery, and yet you're sitting here crying about the fact that you're in captivity now. Have you not heard? You're serving a God who literally brought water out of a rock. She'd so have something to drink, literally dropped food from the, from the sky and put it on the ground so you'd have something to eat. You didn't have to go hunt and gather and farm it. It was just there. Have you not heard? There's power that he wants to give you. In order to get that, you have to give him glory. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. But here's the other thing. He neither faints nor is he weary. Do you realize uh, I'm gonna be (laughs) I'll be careful, but anybody ever just had somebody that talks to you all the time that you get kind of that, that ultimately your spirit you just get tired? And you're like, I'm gonna have to take a break. I'm not gonna be able to answer this phone call. I'm gonna have to go to the other room. I'm gonna have anybody ever have those people in your life? Notice I'm being careful. I'm not calling any names. I'm not saying anything. I'm not and you know, you'll hear Pastor, he's not teaching on this. We have similar personalities. My natural tendencies, I'm naturally an introvert. That means that naturally I can pretty much, you know, for long periods of time, probably longer than I should, if I really Wanted to could be by myself a lot. Anybody may understand that. I'm, I'm that's kind of my strength. I have to build up strength and 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 be around people. But then you know I have to have time to kind of recharge. Y'all know some of y'all know what I'm talking about because some of y'all are like that too, right? But there's definitely times because in that recharging that there's people that God places in my life. <laughs> Literally, some of them are my best friends. I'll be real honest. But you know, just some people that God has put in my life that. You know they, they kind of want to call a lot, and they want to talk a lot, and they need a lot of energy. And, and I listen, that's what God's called me to do. But I'm just being real honest. There are times when I just get I can't listen to any more of these problems today. I'll be real honest. Sometimes I, I, I'm, if I've worked long hours like I've been doing this year, and I come home and, and and my wife is doing what she's supposed to, she's just trying to let me know what's going on, things I may need to handle. But I'll be real honest. There are times are like I can't listen to anything. I, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Not that I'm going to do anything with it tomorrow, but I just can't deal with it right now. (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't listen to it right now. We go, is this this all right? I'm maybe being too truthful. I'm sorry. But you know, sometimes I think because we as humans have that nature, we forget that we serve a God who that's not a part of his nature. In other words, I can go to God with everything I have and God's never going to say, listen, I'm, I'm done. I can't listen to any more of this. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. Aren't you grateful? He's not going to faint and grow weary because of us and because of what we're doing. He says to call upon His name when we're in a time of trouble. He tells us to ask and we shall receive. You notice what else it says. His understanding is unsearchable. You realize that we... We don't have to wonder if God knows what He's doing. <laughs> Isn't that good? Here's what we get into. We, we try to use and lean on our own understanding. And let's be real, it takes a little bit of pride to admit this for some of us, but there are a lot of times when at the end of the day, we can learn a lot and we can do a lot and we can have expertise, but at the end of the day, we're going to face certain circumstances that we simply don't know what to do. There's going to get to a point here on this earth where we're going to get to the limit of ourselves. And the problem we have is we constantly try to lean on our own understanding and figure it out ourselves and do it all in our own strength. And guess what? We're going to fail when that's the case. And that's when we start to get bitter and that's when we start to get upset and we start to feel weak. But I'm here to tell you, I don't have to understand it all, but I know a father who has everything all together. He knows what he's doing. If I'm going through a hardship right now and He hasn't given me supernatural breakthrough, then there's got to be a reason that I'm having to endure it. And I have to be able to trust that His understanding and ways are higher than what I can understand. This is good stuff. we got to understand that we can't question God. We uh, And listen, that doesn't mean that we don't. Again, I'll be real honest with you. I'm the first one to say there are many circumstances and times in my life where I faced something and, and something didn't work out. And I'm like, God... I think you missed one here, and then usually there's a conversation and a spiritual slap on the head, and I realize, oh yeah, that's right, you're God. I can't, I, you, you don't miss anything. But how many times in our life do we think because we have everything figured out and we have our own education and we have our own experience, we have our own insurance and savings account and we have our own ways to, to try to solve all of our problems and, and at the end of the day we think that, well, if God, You don't do something, I'll, I'll figure it out on my own. That's not the way this walk works. The walk works with we do what we can, but ultimately we have to lean on the Lord and He should be our first place of refuge. We should go to Him first. So notice, the first thing you have to do, as I said, is we have to acknowledge that we're serving a God. We have to go to Him and worship. He's not going to give power to someone who thinks they can do it all on their own. In other words, God's not going to bless you if you think that you're going to receive all the glory from it. He's only going to bless those who are willing to give all the glory and acknowledgement to Him. Does that make sense? Alright, now go to the next verse. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. Verse 29. He gives power... To the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. The second thing, once you acknowledge that He is God and you worship Him, you have to acknowledge and get to the point where you admit that you can't do it. You have to reach a point where you admit that you're weak. Now, even at the beginning of it, when I first said that, I started saying a lot of Christians are weak. I mean, some of you, I'm, I'm sure, just in your spirit, just kind of bowed up. Not, not physically, but you just in your mind's mind. Like, oh, you're talking about me. I'm strong. I'm not weak. Well, there comes a point where we have to admit that we're weak. We have to admit that our flesh is weak and there's only so much that we can handle. Isaiah is saying if you want the strength of the Lord, you have to realize it's not going to come within your own power and your own ability and your own intellect. I want to show you something real quick. If we can flip, I'll come back to this passage. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You may think this is a stretch as far as me connecting it, but let's see if I can do this, okay? How do I know it's important for the Christian to admit weakness? Because Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who most of us would consider one of the most powerful Christians ever to live... Admitted he was weak. Let me show you something. We'll walk through this quickly. First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 12, Paul begins to talk. He says, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So he's going to start talking about something. He said, listen, I'm not trying to boast. I'm not trying to be all better than everyone, but I need to tell you about these things that I've experience. In verse 2 he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know, or whether out of the body I don't know, but God knows, such a one was called up to the third heaven. Now listen, he's talking about himself. He has had an experience where in deep prayer and in meditation, he has literally had an experience like John the Revelator did on the Isle of Patmos, where he has been called up to heaven. He has been called up to see the Lord and where he is. Everybody understand that? That may sound weird, but Paul has had that experience. And he's trying to be careful. He says, I ain't trying to be weird and, and, and like a fruitcake and all this stuff but I'm just trying to tell you what I've had. And I know such a man, whether in the body, and I don't know, God knows, in verse 4, how he was caught up in the paradise and heard inexpressible words. So just like John in the book of Revelation, he's gone up to the third heaven. He's been in this place where he's been in the throne room of God. He's heard things spoken that could only be spoken there in heaven. There are things that can't be uttered here on earth. His human mind and body couldn't even comprehend them. That's where they were. Does that make sense? Let me, let me sort of make this point. You're thinking, oh, PB, you're really getting out there. But I would say that if I could get to a spiritual point where I could get caught up to the heaven and I was sitting there and hanging out with, with, with the Lord in His paradise, I would think that I might be something. I'm just, just being real. Is that alright? I would think, my goodness, what a holy man of God! Because that don't just happen to everybody. So let's see how he handles it. Verse 5. Of such a one I will boast, meaning I'm going to boast of the Lord for Him doing that. Yet of myself, though, I will not what. Again, if it, if Paul was in 2023, and I don't know some of the scripture, maybe even in the Bible, but definitely if he was in 2023 and he had an experience like this, son, he'd have done written a book and had a TV show and then you know, charging you tickets to come hear his story, and he'd be making money, and it would be just fantastic for him. I mean, there's a and there's a fact. That even then, Paul could have, you know, just said, "I've been seeing this. Y'all haven't. You other disciples hadn't seen this. All right, y'all, y'all just better listen to me. Y'all just better make me the bishop of this place and let me tell y'all what to do." Does this make sense? Y'all may really think I'm going out there, but I need you to to, to understand this connection. He says, "Yet of myself, I'm not going to boast, except in my infirmities." Four in verse six, though I might desire the boast, he's admitting there. I mean, we're human, right? There may be a desire there for me to. Kind of put that out there. I'm not going to be a fool, for I'm going to speak the truth, but I'll refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. In other words, Paul is saying this. I'm not going to sit here and boast and brag about what I've experienced just for the sake of making sure everyone knows. If it comes up in conversation, I'll tell you what the Lord has shown me. And there comes a moment for me to speak of the Lord but but I'm not going to use this as a reason for me to boast. Let me show you why. He says because by the abundance of the revelation a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. So the Lord even was looking out for Paul. Do y'all realize that? He says, Paul, I don't need you to become an arrogant, you know, person in the church. I have a great work for you yet still to do. So I'm going to allow all the Satan to continue to, to come at you and to put some stumbling blocks. He calls it a thorn in the flesh, which many uh, scholars believe to be some sort of messenger that was constantly talking to him, that he had to battle constantly. We have an enemy that we're constantly facing. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded three times that it might depart from him. How many of you have been through something hard, and your first prayer was, God, just deliver me from it? And there are times when that's going to happen, but then there's times God's like, well, I kind of want to see who you are. I kind of want to see what you're made of. And so He said to me, this is what the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I'm going to take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and in needs and in persecutions and in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm what? Listen, if the Apostle Paul says, you know what, I'm willing to go through these heartaches and and in my weaknesses, I'm still going to boast and be excited. That's why he said, I will count it all joy. Why? Because it's in those moments where I know that Christ's power and the power of God can rise up within me and I can do a lot more in this life with His power than I can on my own. Amen? So let me tell you, let me encourage you, let me challenge somebody here today that may be listening. You may be wondering why on earth you're still battling those same old things that you're battling. I'm here to tell you, maybe the Lord just hasn't gotten you to the point where you'll admit your complete weakness so His power can become full in your life. Maybe, just maybe, you've got to get to the point for God to say, alright, I'm the only one now that can move in this situation. Now that you can fully get your hands off of it, my hand can go to work. Amen? Amen? let's go back to Isaiah he says that in verse 29 he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might he increases strength in verse 30 even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall let me again bust a myth real quick can I do that He's saying, and he's using this as a, as a metaphor, but even, you know, if, if, if you get into endurance type of things, even if you're young, and if you're fit, and if you're, you know, you look the part, everyone at a certain point is going to get to, to a, a place where they're physically going to become exhausted. Does that make sense? That matter, you know, you can be in no shape or in good shape, but everybody's going to reach ultimately a limit. So even young people are going to faint and get tired, and all of them are going to fall. And What he's saying here is even humans, even the most apt of humans are going to reach a limit. I say that to say this, using the example of Paul, using the example of church. When I was growing up and getting into the faith, I thought that there was a moment where there were certain people in the church that they didn't have no problems. Man, they were just close to God, and you know they just delivered them from everything, didn't have any hardships. You know what I found out? That's not true. Everyone's going to get to a place where it gets to be overwhelming. It gets to be tired. The difference in those people who I looked at as mentors and as role models and and me where I was young in the faith is that they knew where to find the strength. They knew when to admit where they were weak. If you continue to try to lean on your own understanding and in your own ways, that's what's going to happen. Verse 31. But this is the beauty of it. Those who wait on the Lord. Here's the third thing. you got to be able to worship and give worship to the Lord. Then you have to be willing to admit that who you are and where you are, that you're weak, that you can't do it on your own. But then here's the third thing you have to do to get strength, is you have to wait. You know what the Lord has taught me, especially probably in the last three to five years of my life and the journey I've been on? Is that I am always in a hurry for something, to, for, for something, and God isn't. I'm always in a hurry, and God isn't. I'm in a hurry for God. I need to know what's next. I need to know what my next task is, my next mission, my next. I, I, it's got to be something else. I get you know ADD sometimes spiritually. I think I'm always looking around. always oh, it's time to do something else, something else. And God's like, well, Why are you in a hurry? If you will wait on me then I will be able to provide strength. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So maybe, just maybe, you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I've just been tired and on this journey I feel like I'm about spent. I don't know how much more I have to go. I'm wondering if you could examine your life and allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe you're just moving at such a rate that you're trying to move ahead of where God's wanting to take you. Maybe it's a moment to just wait for the Lord to show up and wait for the Lord to provide His divine direction. Because if you do that, you'll renew your strength and it shows up when that strength is renewed, it shows up in three ways. You'll mount up with wings like what? Eagles. You'll run and you're not going to get weary. You'll walk and you'll not faint. That means that when you're Energy is renewed. There are times when the Lord may have you mount up on wings of eagles to pull you out above the trial and the turmoil that you're going through here on this earth. Does this make sense? There may be times you may reach a crisis and it gets bad and it gets rough, but the Lord will allow you to mount up with wings like eagles and you'll be able to hurdle that thing. That's the type of faith I want. Amen? Then there are times where the Lord may need you to go through something that becomes like a marathon. If you study the, the Scripture there, when it says run and not grow weary it's sort of the strength of a marathon people who go through some some health crises or go through some family or job crises that that may be a minute it may take a year it may be a two year maybe a five-year process that you're going through and you have to endure you're going to need the strength to keep running without getting tired Does that make sense and then there comes a point for all of us in this room that we have to get to a point where we have to walk every day even if it isn't a crisis or a major thing we still have to be able to walk without fainting amen we have to be willing to walk in the power of God, not fainting and not giving in to the power of the enemy. Now I want to show you something. Again, I may be stretching here, but I'm willing to take a chance, all right? I'm gonna bust dust off my literature teaching skills here. Is that okay? Now did you notice how it kind of went in reverse? If if you read a story, you watch a movie, you watch a TV show, we're all about climax. Y'all understand what I mean? Climactic things. So usually we start with kind of the smallest and work your way up. So in other words, if we were to have written that Scripture, we probably would have started with the walking, right? And then moving to the running. And then we end with, we are mounting up like wings of eagles. See, that's preachery right there. Amen? I mean, come on. that's Yeah, that's exciting. That's where it is. But I do find it interesting. Why did we go from flying and mounting up to running to walking and that seemed like to be the reverse well, what the author's using here and again don't don't please don't let me lose you on the technicalities but i think if you'll get this this will be important it's a thing called a catabasis, which is a literary term now it originates in Greek mythology and epic hero stories. And it literally in those cases means that the hero on his quest, whether you're reading Hercules or uh, the Odyssey or any of these type of hero stories, there comes a point where the hero always has to descend into the underworld. There's a part of their, uh, their journey where they have to go into the underworld in order to defeat some sort of monster or devil or something like that in order to, to come before they can come back and finish their quest. Y'all with me? But in derivative, that particular term that originated in ancient mythology has been used in more modern types of literature, and it literally means progression through descent. That means prog- you're going forward even if it seems like you're going down. So in this particular Scripture, you'll mount up like wings of eagles because I think there's a lot of times, especially when we're new in the faith, that we need the Lord to just do something for us immediately, Right? Our faith is being built, and then we get to the point where we start to learn how to endure, and so we're running, we're moving at a quick pace. But I'm here to tell you something, and I hope this makes sense. I believe that a lot of us always want to fly out of everything when the Lord is really wanting to teach you His ultimate goal is at the end where you can just walk with Him each and every day. I don't have to continue to be a sign seeker. And I, I, listen, I believe again. I said This Wednesday, I'll say it again. I believe signs and wonders and miracles. I believe in those things. I believe they follow the believer. But I believe we're also to mature to a place that where we don't have to live and breathe with everyone every day from God. I believe we can get to a point where we can just walk with Him, trusting that no matter what I face today, it may be big, it may be small, but whatever it is, I trust that the Lord's going to give me strength sufficient enough to endure it and to overcome it. Amen? Quit allowing the enemy to deceive you and think because you're not seeing, you know, dead people raised in your life every single day. Not that he won't do that. Not that I'm trying to belittle it or be sarcastic, but just because you're not seeing doesn't mean that the Lord isn't working in your life. So how do we receive that power today? What does it look like? Go with me very quickly finishing up Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8. So as we come to Jesus and we become a part of the body of Christ, He's promised that if we'll worship Him and acknowledge that He's powerful, if we will look at Him and if we'll acknowledge the fact that we're weak and we can't do it on our own, if we'll wait on Him to provide the strength, to provide the time, to provide the Word for us to move And He's promised He would give us power. The power is here. It's a free gift. Notice what He said. Acts 1.8. Jesus, in His last words, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to all the innermost parts of the earth. He promised that to him in Acts 1, right before He left. And then in Acts 2, I'm going to summarize if it's okay. Acts 2. You can go look at it if you want to and check me. That would be great. But in Acts 2. The disciples had received this Word. But I mean, they were in bad shape. I mean, Jesus was gone and the people who were running the the, the nation at the time, they weren't happy. They were trying to kill and and destroy everybody that was associated with Jesus. Are you all understanding this? It was a rough time for them in that short amount of time. So they had a choice. They could have sat there and said, Oh, woe is me. Now here's Jesus. He done left us. He's been going up to heaven. We watched Him go. He's, we're here and we got to deal with all this on our own. They didn't do that. They said, you know what? We still acknowledge that He is who He said He was. We're going to give Him worship, but we can't start this movement that He wanted to on our own. He said we'd receive power, but we had not received it yet. So what did they have to do? They admitted their weakness and then they had to go and wait. The Scripture says they went and they tarried in an upper room, 120 of them there in Jerusalem. And in that moment on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate here today, Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit swept in like a mighty rushing wind. And it says tongues of fire sat upon them and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was evidenced with them speaking in a heavenly language But they were empowered and they were emboldened. And in that moment after they had received, they didn't sit there and start a 90-day revival where they just sat in that room all day long. They immediately went out into the world and they began to preach. And people began to be saved and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There was power for their journey. And they received it in that moment. And that same power is here for you today. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I know we've already had prayer time. We've already had altar time. And, but I want to give another opportunity. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me very quickly. You're sitting here listening. You're saying, Pastor Bradley, there have been moments in my life that I can so relate to this Scripture. I've been facing some heartaches and some circumstances that I don't know how I'm going to overcome. You say, Pastor Bradley, I've been in some situations this week, maybe even the last few weeks, maybe it's been a season Where it feels like everywhere I turn, there seems to be more chaos. And everything I've tried has failed. I'm here to tell you there's a power to help you endure. Maybe you're here and you say, I I just need the Lord to touch me today and to give me a fresh empowerment of His Spirit. He's here to do that for you today. I'm going to say a prayer. And that prayer will dismiss this first service to, to life groups. But as I'm praying, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Bradley, I need a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I need the Lord to touch me. I need to be able to endure. I need a fresh wind of endurance. I need a renewal of my strength. I'm going to ask you to step down here and allow me to pray with you today. Father, I thank you so much this morning for who you are and for your many blessings. Father, I thank you for your presence that we felt so strongly in this place. Father, the enemy is out seeking whom he may devour, trying to kill and steal and Trying to cause us to be stagnant, trying to cause us to be still where we are to not move forward. But Father, today we refuse as your people to be defeated and stopped by the enemy. Father, You promised in Your Word, if we would acknowledge You, God, that You would renew our strength. So today, Father, we acknowledge You being the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We acknowledge You being the God of all creation. We acknowledge You being the everlasting Father who is here from age to age, no matter what we're facing. Father, we acknowledge You as the God who will show up in the due season and in the right time. So, Father, no longer are we going to sit back and and just murmur and allow the enemy to cause us to be negative. But, Father, we're going to proclaim Your goodness in the land of the living. Father, we proclaim that you are good and that you're going to lead us through. Father, I pray, Lord, that you help us acknowledge the fact that we're weak. There's no amount of money in our bank account. There's no amount of education that we have overcome. There's no amount of social status or popularity that we can, God, that we can reach, God, that will help us overcome the enemy. But Father, that only comes by your power. So we ask, Lord, that you allow ourselves to decrease and you increase in us. And Father, today we wait on you. Father, for those who have been itching and ready to jump off a ledge, God, that are just ready to move but are outside of Your will, remind them today that they need to wait on You for Your power. Father, as we do that, I pray that the promise of Acts 2 continue today, that Your Holy Spirit continue to sweep and empower people in this last day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.